folks. Welcome to episode 157 of the Wealth on Any Income podcast. This is where we talk about money tips, techniques, attitudes, information, and provide inspiration around your money and your business. I'm your host, Rennie Gabriel. In past episodes, we spoke about how to build an income and expense report, how to measure the level of pleasure based on where you spend your money, how to track your money in five to 10 seconds, and what to look for on your net worth statement to see how close you are to having complete financial choice. Last week, we had Chelly Campbell, who supports people to get over money disorders like spending bulimia and income anorexia. Today, we welcome back one of our guests who was on the show a couple of years ago, Fritz Gilbert. Fritz retired in 2018 at the age of 55 after a 33-year career in corporate America. For the past eight years, he's been writing about his preparation for and transition into retirement on the Retirement Manifesto. It's an award-winning blog that he founded three years prior to retirement. In addition to the blog, Fritz published his first book in 2020, Keys to a Successful Retirement, which captures the key things he learned from his journey into retirement. Fritz, welcome to the Wealth on Any Income podcast. Rennie, nice to be talking to you again. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, well, before we got started, we were chatting about a cousin of mine who uh, sold his business two and a half years ago. He has been a consultant for the last two and a half years. In December, that ends. And I asked him, Steve, what are you going to do when you retire? What, you know, what kind of plans do you have? And about all he could say was, well, I think I'll work two days a week for the six months after my full retirement. And, you know, I want to travel. Yeah. I don't, that doesn't sound like a concrete plan to me. And I'm really concerned about him. So, yeah, you know, that's interesting, Rennie. And I, and I would suspect if you interviewed 100 retirees or soon to be retirees, that's not as uncommon as you might think. And, and I was probably the exact opposite. I, I really thought a lot about what my retirement was going to be. The one thing I would say to your cousin is, you know, research has proven that the, the way to have a, the most, the, the way to increase your odds of a successful transition to retirement is to take time prior to retirement to plan for the non-financial aspects of it. And, you know, I've heard from so many people about how difficult the transition was and they never saw it coming, how big of a change it was going to be in life, et cetera, et cetera. He's probably going to go through some of that, you know, and, okay. and whether you whether you focus on it beforehand or whether you focus on it afterwards, at some point you're going to have to think about it, and it's just a lot easier to think about it on the front end. It, it makes the transition. You know, my transition I, I think is is an example. Absolutely smooth. Loved it from the day I retired. I'm five years in. I've never regretted it for a minute, and I I attribute a lot of that to being so probably obsessive. I think I probably planned more than you really need to, but it served me well. You know, it's been it's been smooth because of it. So there, there's there's a continuum, you know, and there and there's a right place to be. He's probably too far to the left. I was probably too far to the right. You know, right right in the middle somewhere is, is where people need to think about. Spend some time on it. It matters. Yeah. Now, one of the things I said when we first spoke a couple of years ago was I don't even like the word retirement. To me, it conjures up a picture of someone sitting on their front porch with a torn T-shirt and a can of beer watching daytime TV. And, you know, and, and the health and everything else just declines and goes yeah. down real fast. And the best example 
was from a gal who was teaching some workshops who spoke about being raised on a ranch and saying, when a cow can no longer be productive, we put it out to pasture to let it die. And the term for that is we're going to retire the cow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, and maybe that's also a part of my own struggle. I'm 75 now. I've got this podcast. I write a weekly email. I do some business coaching. I'm trying to transition my grandson into supporting me with the apartment buildings we own. But I'm recognizing, well, one, retirement's a dirty word to me. And what I created instead and actually trademarked it was the term complete financial choice. So what it means is I have the financial resources to choose to do whatever I want to do. If I want to work, I can. If I don't want to, I don't have yeah. to. If I want to travel, I can. I don't have to. I can choose whatever I want. And the difficulty I've had for over 10 years now is what to choose. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, regardless of what you call it, I, I, I don't get too hung up on the nomenclature. I think what matters is there comes a point in your life where you do achieve that financial independence. And taking advantage of that to change your life, to live it the way that you choose to live it instead of the way you had to live it when it, you were dependent on a paycheck is really what it's about. Call it whatever you will. But, you know, I, I think about the fire community, you know, financial independence, retire early. And mm. somebody said, eh, it should be financial independence, recreational employment, which is not mm. a bad thing, right? You're, you're, yeah. If you want to work, work. You're doing it for recreation now. You're not doing it for the money. And, and, and that's the difference. So um, I don't have a problem with the word retirement. You, when you retire, you cross what I call the starting line. Mm -hmm. And that's the point in life where you are free to start anything you want to start and do anything you want to do without having to take the financial considerations as the primary importance. And so I look at it more as a start than a putting the cow out to, uh, you know, die in the field. But but I'm not hung up on the word. I know a lot of people do kind of argue, eh, I, you know, that that clearly is probably the historical stereotype of retirement. But I look at them, okay, you can be working as you are, as I would argue I am, right? I'm doing my blog. Yeah. I'm, I'm running a charity with my wife. Those are work in quotation marks. But it's not work that I'm doing because I have to do. It's work that I choose to do. So I'm retired, but I'm working. I'm still retired. So, that, that's why yeah. I call it complete financial choice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great word. Great choice for it. A yeah. great term for it. I'm glad you brought up the charity because, you know, if you recall, I donate 100% of the profits from the work I do to various yeah. animal and to um, veteran charities. And as an example... If someone goes to the homepage on my website, they can donate directly to one of the charities that rescues dogs and trains yep. service animals for soldiers who've come back with issues. And they can saving lives, saving lives two at a time. I, I, I applaud what you do. It's awesome. Thank you. And so I remember you're something about saving Fido or whatever. Tell me more about that. In memory. It's actually called Freedom for Fido. Okay. And we we build free dog fences for low income families with dogs on chains or mm -hmm. not all they're not always on chains. They might be running loose, worried about getting yeah. hit on the road. You know, they, they're trying to improve their situation for their dog, but they don't have the financial means to do it. When we talked two years ago, we were pretty much just getting started. We, we started four years ago. It took us about a year to figure out what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we just celebrated our one hundredth fence build um, a couple uh, months ago. We've got 200 volunteers. It, it's turned into a massive thing, and it's totally fulfilling, very time-consuming, but 
again, it's, it's something that my wife and I have chosen to do and we get such fulfillment out of it. When you see that dog getting released from that chain for the first time in its life and, and we build big fences, I mean, they're, they're typically 300 feet worth of fencing. So if you think of like a football field, mm-hmm. it's, it's roughly that long, I obviously make a square out of it instead of a straight line. But you know, we make big areas for these dogs to run. And the first time you see that dog run, it, it, it never gets old after a hundred fences we still get that same thrill. And, and, you know, it's, it's not only seeing the dog's life improve, but the things that we didn't expect is there's developed an entire sense of community around it. We call it the Fido family. Mm-hmm. And, and think about what makes a successful retirement. It's having a, a, a group of people that you, you know, that, that relationship thing. So we've created this whole big community of dog lovers that get together I'll give you an example. There's a there's a text group of maybe 20 of the most loyal volunteers. Friday at one o'clock, somebody might say, "Hey, you want to meet at Grumpy's tonight? Grumpy's is a microbrew in our town." So you know, five o'clock, we'll have 20 of us that just bombard one of these little microbrews on very short notice. And you know, we're not really drinkers. We'll have one beer and stay there for an hour and just chat. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's that spontaneous connection with other people. And, and all of our volunteers feel the same way. They're like, I love the Fido family as much as I do helping the dogs, you know? So it's, it's that. And then the gratitude that you get seeing the difference you can make in the life of somebody who really needs help, as you've experienced. It's, yeah. it's hugely rewarding. Yeah. And, and, you know, to your point, I mean, here's funny. Here is a little rescue dog. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. You know, he came in the, be- in the room here. He wants to sit with me. So he's doing Good that now. <laughs> But one of the things you alluded to is the community that's created. And I remember a study that General Motors had done years and years ago. After 30 years, they could retire with full benefits. So if they started at 20, at 50, they could retire. Unfortunately, their survey found that within five years of retirement, didn't matter what age, most of them had died. Wow. And the reason for that, I, I believe, touches on what you said is the community, the ability to, to have a purpose, to contribute and connect with other people. I mean, someone working at General Motors and they retire, they're not communicating or connecting with their, their workers anymore and what sense of yep. purpose do they have. And yep. that's why the health declines so quickly. Yeah. And going back to how we opened this discussion about your cousin, you know, if you think about work, the first thing that comes to mind is the paycheck. Yeah. But if you think a little bit deeper, and this is what you realize when you leave work, paid work voluntarily, yeah. or maybe not voluntarily, but when you're when you're no longer working, you start realizing all of the non-financial benefits you also receive from work. And thinking about how you're going to replace all of those in retirement or once you're financially independent, that's where your focus should be. And it is things like relationship. Right. You have relationships in the office or in the in the plant. If you were going to plant, you have a sense of purpose. You've got, you know, a structure to your day. You've got objectives. You're driving towards achieving something. You get that sense of accomplishment when you put together a presentation and give it to the boss and you get the little pat on the head and say, hey, good job on the presentation. You've got all of those things that just are gone the day you leave. And most people don't realize the importance of all of those non-financial benefits from work until they're gone. And then they kind of go through this transitory thing where they're, they feel off, but they, they don't really know why. And, and it's usually driven by 
let's call it those four or five non-financial attributes you used to get are no longer in your life and you're, and you're kind of, you, you, you feel a little bit adrift without them. They're hugely important. Oh yeah. And, and I'm thinking about, you know, as you said that and someone retires, goes home and the wife says, I can't stand having him around the house. He's, you know, I've been keeping this house intact for the last 20, 30, 40 years. I don't need his input. Exactly. Yeah. I got to tell you a funny story. I, I put it in my book, but I'll tell the story now. A friend of mine retired and he was like one of these optimization guys at work. You know, he'd always look at more efficient ways to do things and a continuous improvement type guy. So he's home and, you know, he's retired and his wife's putting dishes away in the dishwasher. And he comes up behind her and he says, honey, he says, why do you do it that way? It'd be more efficient if you did, you know, and he starts trying to improve dishwashing loading. And she goes, honey, I've been loading the dishwasher for 30 years. It works just fine. Go, go do something else. Like get out of my space, you know? So yeah, that, the the relationship with the stay at home not not necessarily stay at home maybe you both yeah. retire at the same time or whatever but he hasn't if he hasn't figured it out or right hasn't figured it out yet yeah that can be a source of of conflict and and I think the thing that you don't necessarily think about is it's just let's let's say it's a stay at home spouse and a, and a full time working spouse mm-hmm. you always think about oh retirement's the full time working spouse that you know that's the big adjustment. I would argue it's just as big of an adjustment for the stay-at-home spouse to have a spouse that retires and is suddenly home. It's a huge adjustment for both of you. Just like talking about and thinking about how you're going to replace these attributes that you once got from work, you also need to spend time with your significant other talking about how is our life going to be when we're together all the time? How much time do you want to do your stuff? How much time do I need to do my stuff? You know, how, how much we don't want to do everything together. We'll drive each other crazy. So what, what's the boundaries there? So that once you retire, you can take off and go mountain biking once a week because that's something you've already talked about and you don't feel guilty about it because you've kind of pre-agreed. Yeah, I know he needs to do that because he needs to get out in the woods. Talking about myself, obviously. You know, there there are there are boundaries and there are things that if you don't have that discussion prior to, it can lead to conflict because she doesn't understand why you're out riding a mountain bike or you don't understand why she's still going out to lunch with her friends when you know you're not working anymore. You want her home with you. All those things can can cause conflict, and that's why retirement's such a big transition. Yeah, this this is a beautiful conversation, and I know it's going to be helpful to my cousin. I'm going to send him a link when we're done. I'll give you some details on when this is going to be broadcast. Okay. Ahead of that, I'm going to send this to my cousin. Perfect. <laughs> It'll be interesting to get his feedback. Hopefully, he listens because I would say your cousin is a proxy for probably hundreds of thousands of people that could potentially hear this, right? I would say there are probably hundreds of thousands of people that are within, because it's what, 10,000 baby boomers a day are retiring right now. Yeah. So, you know, it's clearly hundreds, maybe millions of baby boomers who are going to retire, let's say in the next year, who may not be thinking about this stuff yet. And that's fine. You can choose to do it that way, but recognize you're going to make that transition more difficult because you're suddenly going to be home with your spouse and you're going to be telling her how to load the dishwasher. And she's going to say, get out of my space, right? All these things that we laugh about, you're going to experience those. And so your cousin, Hey, we're not bashing on you cousin, right? We're doing (laughs) it because you represent an awful lot of people that don't recognize the importance of, of thinking about this stuff. Exactly. One of the things that I want to ask you, which is really important for people who want to talk more to you or find out more about this topic, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? 
yeah, I'm, I'm on the retirementmanifesto.com. It's got an email link on my page. You can you can reach out to me. I've written something like 400 articles now. So searching through my archives, any topic you're interested in, chances are I probably touched on it related to retirement anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about my byline is helping people achieve a great retirement. And, you know, having been through it, and I, and I think that's a lot of the feedback I get from my readers is it's unusual to have somebody that's retired that's a blogger, right? Most people are kind of the fire community. They're working to get there, whatever. Um, having a baby boomer, I'm 60. So somebody that's kind of in, in our demographic that's writing about the experience, there, there aren't too many of us. So yeah. anybody that's interested, yeah, take a look. It's, it's real. It's just me. I'm transparent. I'm not a financial advisor, but I can, I can talk for days about all the financial elements of it. But what I've found in the last couple of years of my writing is I've focused a lot less on the financial because once you get into retirement, you kind of have what you have and you're not doing things for money anymore. You kind of sort that part out and you you really do spend a lot more time thinking about the non-financial stuff that we've been touching base on. So I would say my writing has shifted to reflect that. But if somebody's a year away from retirement, hey, scroll back through my archives. You can you can see I actually put a timeline on there. And you can see when I was a year away from retirement, you can see exactly what I was thinking at that point in my journey. So I, I did that on purpose to try to help people, you know, forever with the content that I've written. Well, and obviously it's work because that was the past and you're living that present. And, yep. you know, the transition, like you said, has been terrific. So I'll have in the show notes, the uh, Retirement Manifesto, a link. And Fritz, I want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Rennie. Always a pleasure. And let's not wait two years before we talk again. You're, you're, you're always a pleasure to talk to. And I wish you the best of luck with all the things you're involved in. Thank you. And to all of those who are listening, if you'd like to know how books, movies, and society programs you to be poor and what the cure is, then log on to wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. You'll hear my TEDx talk and can request a free nine-step roadmap to complete financial choice and philanthropy, and receive a weekly email with tips, techniques, or inspiration around your business or your money. And if you'd like to see how you can increase your wealth and donate to the causes that touch your heart, please check out our affordable program, Wealth with Purpose, also on the wealthonanyincome.com website. To my listeners, thank you for tuning in. You can listen to the Wealth on Any Income podcast on your favorite platform. And please rate, review, and subscribe. Until next week, be prosperous. Bye-bye for now.